Unravel Universe with Ashley and Dawn, book club buddies who love to read YA fiction. We'll discuss the good, the bad, the ugly, and oh my gosh, we need to talk about this right now. I'm Ashley, the fantasy architect. And I'm Dawn, the criticizer of books. So grab something sweet or salty and join our universe. And we are going to be discussing the the Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes by Suzanne Collins. Ashley will be calling in in a second. And here she is. So let's get her on. Hello. Hi. Did you just have the Mockingjay song going or the Hanging Tree song? (laughs) I did. I felt like it was necessary. Oh, yes. <laughs> I was How like, wait a minute, is my audio playing something funny? Like, what's, I didn't know I had this in my playlist. <laughs> I'm doing good. How are you? I'm doing good. Are you enjoying the nice yeah. weather? I am. If it would stop raining, that would be nice, but I'm not going to complain. Like, it's fine. Mm-hmm. It could be worse. So It could be, indeed. Much much worse. Yeah. But it keeps, like, pushing back, which is kind of nice. So I'm enjoying every moment I can get it. Yeah. All right. Are you excited to talk about this? <laughs> I am. I have been taking notes for a couple of hours and I'm like, Oh my goodness. I have a lot more to say than I thought I did. So yeah. Yeah. When I was writing out my stuff too, I was like, wow, I have like lots of things to comment either as to whether I liked or didn't like, but it was, it was very interesting because I definitely feel like this book is one for a good discussion book because we've read the Hunger Games series. So there's lots of things to touch on um, that Susan Collins goes into. So, yeah, yeah, I agree. Super excited. Yeah. All right. So let's just jump in because we might be here for a while. So, <laughs> buckle up and get ready. <laughs> All right. Do you want to read the synopsis or do you want me to? Or do you want to just give a general? Um, we can just give a general, I'll just give a general outline. Yeah. Um, okay. So in Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes, it is the 10th anniversary of the Hunger Games and, um, in the Katniss's Pan Am, it's, it's been 74 years. So it's, we're 65 years ahead of Katniss, 60, yeah, 64, 65 years ahead of Katniss and, or before Katniss and mm-hmm. Snow Coralanus, Cor, Coral, and I listen to the audiobook and I'm still like, that's a lot of syllables. So let's just call him Coro, mm-hmm. Corio, Corio Snow. He is 18 and he is a student at the university or no, at the high school, right? The academy, the academy. Mm-hmm. He's not at the university yet. And this is the first year, I believe, that they're having mentors. Yeah. Is this the first year they're having mentors? Okay. So yeah. uh, Corio is going to be a mentor for the tribute from District 12 and things start to happen. So it's pretty much a, um, a um, what's it called? An origin story of snow, if you will. So yeah, that's what it's about. If you want to call it an origin story. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So um, what did you read it? 
Okay, so before I took my two hours of notes, I had it at a 375. But after I thought about the book and really like broke it apart as much as I possibly could, I'm going to up it to a four because I agree with you. I think that this is a very good discussion book. Um, it's, I have, I have my reasons why I think people are kind of PO'd about this book, but I do think it's a good discussion book. There is a lot here. At first I was like, I'm not going to read book two. If there is a book two, I don't know. But now I'm like, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm, I'm interested in book two. So four, mm-hmm. I'm gonna give it a four. Yeah. So I was definitely between a 3.5 and a four as well. And the reason why I'm floating between like a lower, like to 3.5 is because Suzanne Collins, um, in particular, like her writing style is kind of what is, is what I'm balancing this off of. So, but it's like the book itself though, I was intrigued, like I wanted to keep reading. So it does make me want to give it a four. So I'm still indecisive, but it's definitely in between those, those two, a 3.5 or a four. All right. Well, let's see after we discuss it, if you've, Mm -hmm. what your final verdict is going to be. Yeah, it's like it's it's really tough for me because I like when I was writing everything, I'm like, wow, I have so much to say about this book, which maybe that means that I need to up it, but because it's not, it's not like that. This isn't going to be a bashing, which I think is what's exciting about this uh, review. Yeah, it's not At least for us. Yeah, mm-hmm. no, it's not. Mm-hmm. All right, well, let's start with our dislikes, as always. <laughs> And you want to go first? I can. So um, my major issue with the book is also like, I get it at the same time. So I'll also talk about it in my likes. But um, the pacing for me sort of felt off in this book because I just kind of felt like there are many times that Collins just kind of dropped us off in a desert and just left us there. Um but at the same time, like, at least she was consistent with that drop-off. We would have, like, all this information, and then it would be quick, 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 right through, like, something major important. And then we would go back to the slow uh, tone of the story. <laughs> and I'm just like, um, you know, it's like the, the – I don't know. Did, did you feel that as well with the pacing? Or did you enjoy uh, that? Yeah. So uh, on my notes, it says exactly main dislike, which affected the plot most pacing. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So yeah, pacing was my biggest issue and it wasn't just the actual, like, like there was more to it than, than mm-hmm. just what you were saying. I do agree. It was like the first half of the book was kind of slow. And then the second half was just like weird. And then the end was just like, bang 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 and of course end of books are supposed to be climactic they're supposed to have a climax but Mm -hmm. and I don't mean that the pacing was bad as far as the climax I mean the pacing was off to me as far as character development that's what I mean by the pacing yeah it's kind Um, of like oh sorry go ahead um no you go ahead finish your thought because I I'm gonna go a little bit deeper into that go ahead yeah so with the pacing like I feel like it was it it was a bunch of different issues with this pacing, you know, like because the book is told in four different parts, correct? So it's got like, you know, them basically being told uh, we're assigning students as mentors. Then it's the actual 10th games. Then you're into this peacekeeper thing. And then you're into the climax of the book, which is, 
it, it, there were just certain points in the, in the, in the book where I was bored because I was, it was just so much info within this pacing that I was like, Oh my gosh, you need to tell me about the tree one more time. Please tell me about the tree one more time. Like I was just, <laughs> but yet it's like, it's like you had to power through it though, because you, you'd miss something if you skipped over it, right? Like if you're like, oh, well, I'm just not going to worry about that section. There'd be like a little blip and then she would blah, 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 blah. That's just how I felt. It was very boring yeah, at no, times. You, yeah. You could not just like think about other things while you're listening to this Mm-mm. book or reading this book because Mm-mm. she drops huge inf- important information into mm-hmm. it that refers back to the, the main trilogy. So yeah, I agree. Um, what I was saying was that the the first half of the book, I it was like a solid four. I was like, yes, I am yep. jiving with the first half of the book. It was the second half of the book. After the major thing happened in the second half, it was really slow. And it, and it was slow and it was fast. So the pacing of the actual story was fast, but it didn't jive well with the pacing of the development of Corio and Lucy Gray. That was my problem. I felt like his demise into madness was not, it was too fast. Um, For me, I think it's difficult to ask a reader to believe a person can go from moderately pretentious to full blown psychopath in six months. That it just doesn't jive with, I didn't, it didn't jive with me. And that was my biggest problem. She didn't take enough time to show a slow progress into madness. Absolutely. And the romance didn't help either. Yep. Yep. No, I couldn't agree more. That was my other main issue with this particular book is like, you know, a lot of people weren't excited to read about Snow's point of view. Correct. I mean, they're kind of like, oh, I wish I could talk about (laughs) Hamish instead or Effie or, you know, anybody, anyone else, you know. And so I was kind of excited because I don't really like read books about like villains becoming more into a villain so I was like okay this could be exciting but it's like his I felt like Snow Snow's character was like kind of already on the fence as to like he couldn't decide if he was good or bad and then all of a sudden it's like now he's just evil that there wasn't a good build up to that like I I didn't feel like he had his moment like his defining moment to make that switch yeah, I agree. I think I and I think that's the problem with this book. And you you're right. Everybody was really upset that it's coming from Snow's point of view. I'm not going to lie. Initially, I was one of those people, but I like a good villain. So then after I thought about it, I was like, oh, well, hey, maybe it would be kind of interesting to find out, you know, uh, how Snow came to be. But going along with what you were saying, um, I, I think that what Suzanne Collins should have done was had him had him be like 30 years old or something. And and then he yes. would flash back to when he was younger. And then we saw little, like really big events that turned him into what he became. Because like I said, mm-hmm. for me to believe that as 18 year old, he's just kind of like, um, kind of an a-hole, kind of calculating. He he does have a backstory. Like he is sympathetic, kind of. She didn't make him too sympathetic. He is mm-hmm. sympathetic, kind of. But at the same time, like you said, there was no big major defining event that made him into he was. And I, you know, I have this weird fascination with like serial killers and stuff. And they don't just snap. <laughs> 
like it, it's mm-hmm. it's slow progression and there's like yeah. they have mommy issues and daddy issues and they have um some kind of sexual deviancy like there's something that turns them that it's a slow progression into psycho uh, psycho a psycho a psychotic person it just doesn't happen over six months and so yeah she should have told it differently or she should have made him like calculating the entire time but to the reader he was kind of like kind of sympathetic like um I um I listened to the book You by Caroline Kapnis and it's about the stalker guy and in the book mm-hmm. he rationalizes his awful behavior and you kind of are like well he might have a point there but then you're like no he's crazy he's crazy the entire time so I, maybe she could have made him calculating the entire time and then Lucy also kind of used him to get what she wanted and then when he find out that she really or never mind. Um, that's kind of spoiler. Sorry, yes. <laughs> but like, <Halt>. you know, <laughs> sorry, I know. Maybe <laughs> something like that would have snapped him, but he was just crazy the whole time. I don't know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I, I, I totally agree with you. That's like my second biggest issue with this book. Not only with the pacing and the writing style, at least she's consistent, but the the buildup of snow and then his his downfall and like, like where that switches i feel like we were missing pieces of information because you lacked feeling sympathetic for him like there was no sympathy towards him because he was always this like wishy-washy character um to begin with and i was really confused by that because he was the same with his family and also at school and also with his friends let like he was the same. I, I didn't feel like I had a moment where he finally decided like, oh, like, well, if I do this or if I do that, like, you know, here's this outcome. And then there's this outcome. It wasn't until the end that you got like a little bit, which I won't, I, I won't say, but it's like, that was probably maybe where the point was supposed to be that he has this realization of, hey, like, if I do this, like, this is why I need to act this way, you know? And I, I guess I really wanted to see more of, like you said, Snow as maybe 30 years old. So after all this has happened, because I feel like that point of view would have been a little bit more understood, you know, because yeah. he would be like recommenting and revisiting all of these things that have happened to him before. I felt like we were not in, in the prime of that turn of Snow. Yeah, I agree. Mm-hmm. Um, um, my sorry. second, that's okay. My second issue was Lucy Gray. Uh, we got to talk about her. She is mm-hmm. the tribute from District 12. That's who Snow is mentoring. And I think she started off fantastic. Like, once oh. again, the first half of the book, she was amazing. And then the second half of the book, she was just singing them damn songs. I'm like, I, I, I can't with this girl anymore. She was awful in the second half of the book, which was so upsetting. Mm-hmm. No, I agree. I, I feel like the first half of the book, like that was just awesome. Like everything that was going on, I was like, oh, okay. Okay. Like I'm really intrigued about this story here. And I felt like Lucy Gray lost a little bit of herself after the games. Um, because it just, I don't know. There was just this weird like interlude. I felt like we were in an interlude and then all of a sudden it's like things are happening and then now we're done. Yeah. So, but I did like, um, 
the fact that uh, Collins does show like a little bit of Snow's hatred towards like District 12 because hello. That was well, wait, wait, wait. Are you with the lights? <laughs> no, 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 no. Are you getting That's okay. I'm just commenting okay. just a little bit. Oh, okay. Just a little bit. Oh, yeah. Just a little bit. Just yeah. a little bit. Yeah, um, and, and that that's a good thing. Go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I agree. Um, I definitely I did not I didn't like the fact that um there were certain relationships that just didn't make sense within this book. Um meaning like uh Snow's relationship to the Plils. Is that he the Plints? Yeah. Plints. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there were just some relational issues that yeah. I had an issue with because I felt like it didn't make sense. Like it was just a matter of like, oh, well, this fits my story because I want it to. So I'm just going to put it there. But like logically, it didn't make any sense. I'm going to disagree. Yeah, I think it did make sense. I think it made sense. Yeah. And I'll, I'll explain in a different part of the story <laughs> in the spoiler mm-hmm. edition. Yeah, but I, the, I, yeah. No, you're good. <laughs> you, you go next. Do okay. You have any more uh, oh yeah, I got I got tons. Um, <laughs> but now, but now these are more nitpicks. They're not huge. Mm-hmm. My hugest problems was the pacing in Lucy Gray. But now these are a little bit more nitpicks. Um, well, kinda. So we go back into the Hunger Games, but we're seeing it as the tenth annual, and I. I, I didn't like catching fire because I didn't want to go back to the Hunger Games. I was like, oh, God, here we go. And here we go again. We're back to the Hunger Games again. And I didn't – you could see the differences between how the Hunger Games used to be in the 10th annual as to where it is in the 74th annual. So that was cool. But I didn't really – nothing really important happened inside the games that contributed to Corio's or Snow's development as a – psychopath or how to or I didn't get like a more development of Lucy I feel like she was developed before she got into the games and she didn't develop more once she got in she was almost not even there really in the games um so I felt like we didn't need the games unless it was going to advance the plot or the character so I didn't like that yeah no I agree with you that was my next like dislike was that with the games I felt like we were literally just thrown in with a list of names that I didn't need to care about. Like it just kept mentioning these, like the people that were part of, you know, district two, district three, district four. And why do I need to keep reiterating all of these names that like, like I don't understand like that. That's adding nothing to the plot. Like you, you said the games literally added like maybe a tiny bit to the plot, but everything that happened Within the game itself, the 10th annual game, I didn't feel like that information was needed. Like, like there was just way too much, way too much on all of these other characters that, you know, die off. And so why are we learning about them? Because it's not coming back again. Yeah, I kept waiting for, once again, before they got into the games, it was great. Once we got into the games, I could give a shit. And I kept waiting to hear a familiar surname. 
So I'm like, okay, well, maybe she's going through all these names and all these people because they're related to someone in the 74th annual Hunger Games. And I don't think I got anybody. One of no. the mentors was related to somebody that's important to the Hunger Games. But other than that, there I don't think there was a familiar name. Yeah, no, there wasn't. I mean, I think the only familiar name would possibly be like with Liv, Liva, whatever her last name is, Liva something that I don't know Corio I talks about after, like she was a surviving mentor. And I think that's okay. the only person that maybe, you know, but all these other like secondary characters, I just, um, there was, there was a lot of dump, not dumping. I want to say, um, I just, the character developments and a lot of these secondary characters were not fulfilled. They were kind of just talked about and then they stopped. So I didn't understand mm-hmm. why those characters were as important because you spent all this time like telling us about them and then, you know, showing us a day into their life and then they're just, they're just gone. It doesn't add to the story. I agree. It doesn't add to it, you know? So that was kind of like where I was like, oh, I'm bored. I'm bored because I don't need to know this person. Why do I need to know this person? Yeah. Okay, they're not coming back. Cool. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. Another thing that I did not like, I was looking on the wiki to see if he has a wife. What's his wife's name? But it's not on the wiki. Maybe I'm missing it. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, let me see. Okay, so this is something that I didn't like, but I kind of liked. And, okay, so there were points in the book where I I can picture Suzanne Collins sitting at her desk, and she's starting to plot out her story and, and outline it. And she's thinking back to her, to the regular Hunger Games trilogy, and she's like, okay, I need to explain the significance of the roses and his mouth sores and la-di-da, and la-di-da. And she's, like, checking it off as she's writing Snakes mm-hmm. and Songbirds. And I felt like at many times there were, like, checkbooks. Oh, this is why this happened. This is why there are roses. This is what the mouse sores are for. This I keep saying that because I don't want to spoil anything. Mm-hmm. But then there were times where it really did weave into the story. And you were like, oh, Oh, and it was like really interesting, but it just mm-hmm. felt like kind of a checklist sometimes. It was just stuff happening and not really a story. Mm-hmm. No, I would definitely agree with you because I feel like she did it because it's like, oh, I'm writing about snow. So therefore I need to pack all this other information in that I've described about him before in here. So it was just kind of like, like, oh, there's mouse source. Oh, here's roses. Oh, here's poison. Oh, you know, like all of these things <laughs> within it. And that just kind of was like, well, it doesn't, I guess I was waiting for like the, the downfall of snow as to like why he became the way that he did. And I just didn't get that. That made me very yeah. upset. I was mm-hmm. not, I was not happy with the ending either. It was so quick. It was so quick. That it's just like, oh, we got it. We got to move through. Ready? Boom, 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 boom. Done. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. That kind of goes along with my my issue with the pacing. It was mm-hmm. it was too quick. 
too quick. Agreed. Yeah. Is there anything else um, that you wanted to discuss? Yeah. I have one more thing. And this is kind of talking about everyone. Cause I have been watching some uh, booktubers and they're, and everybody like read this book immediately and had mm-hmm. to get their review out on booktube, man, they were not playing. So there are tons of reviews on booktube and many of them don't like the book. They gave it a one, they gave it a two. And I'm like, good God, man, is this really a two? Um, mm-hmm. So I think, I think the problem with people are with what people are having, this is just my interpretation and I'm kind of agreeing with people is that, you know, hunger games kind of changed YA. It was a huge book for the YA community. It is kind of this generation's 1984. I'm not comparing it to 1984. I'm just saying this is a book that's used as required reading for some schools. This is a social commentary. This is, it's an important book in the YA book community and just literarily. And Mm -hmm. people were expecting this fantastic what they got at the beginning was you know panem was this it wasn't a new world but it was unfamiliar to the teens who were reading it and it was kind of refreshing because we hadn't read this in a really long time and so we got a brand new world with this caste system and this tyrant and this government and we got this hero to root for and katniss and she's part of the revolution and they're expecting this rich story and world building and we didn't get that um, mm-hmm. And I think that's why people have this like emotional reaction and, oh, God, I'm going to give it a one. And because, you know, emotionally they, they didn't get what they wanted. And I kind of agree. But when you step back and think about it, it's not a one or two, um, clearly, because mm-hmm. Ashley and I said three, three, between three and a half and a four. It's not it's not Hunger Games. But I mean, is it was it ever going to be Hunger Games? No, I had no expectations of this being remotely as good as Hunger Games because we've already been in that world. And it's going to be kind of difficult for her to recreate a world that she's already written. So all she can really do is which I think she missed the mark on is she Panem now and and 65 years before Katniss is totally different than Katniss's Panem but she didn't really develop that Panem and I think that's where she could have shined as far as world building so that's all I'll say about that I I mean and I have to agree with you that was part of my like major uh dislike as well is just because it's kind of like I mean Colin has already built the world right she's already built this whole idea of Hunger Games like and she didn't elaborate on what Pan Am used to look like you know 65 years ago she didn't like like a lot of it was talk of like after the war and so it's like okay well I understand that because I read the first like you know the whole trilogy so I get the whole idea of the war you know but I wanted more of like what Pan Am looks like now, you know, like the whole thing with like the costumes and, you know, them basically drinking this drink to like, uh, basically throw up to eat more food. I forget what that drink's called, but it's like, I was wanting more as to like how the capital developed, um, then, than what we have now, like, and it just seemed kind of very plain Jane. Like it was, you like, oh, we have nice clothes. We're a wealthy family, but we're actually poor, you know, because we have to keep reusing things. And I just kind of felt like, well, that's not very cool, you know. And even when they go to um, into the Hunger Games, like the actual arena itself, I was like, that's it. That's the arena. 
really? Okay, like you've had 10 years to up this game. Like, let's talk about this. And I just kind of felt like it was let down. There was very little world building because she used the world that she had before and didn't elaborate as to a pre-Panem before what Panem is now that we know from Hunger Games. Yeah. I'll agree and disagree a little bit. I do. I want to apologize for once again. My neighbors have been quiet all freaking day and they decide now <laughs> that they want to be loud. I don't know why it, at one o'clock on Friday, we decide that we need to start our motorcycle. That doesn't work. But anyway, um, I I do think that the whole eating till you vomit thing was I'm, I have that in my likes in the spoiler part. Um, and I will we'll talk about that. So I'll disagree with you on that. But I will agree like and I already, I already agreed with you because I already did this whole spiel about it. But yeah, <laughs> she didn't develop. She didn't develop Pan Am before Katniss and yeah. 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 And it's almost like it's almost like okay, so I looked it wasn't a lot of research, but Mocking Jay was written 10 years ago. And it's like I, I felt like this she was like, "Oh, this is my retirement book. I'm done. I don't have to write anything else. I'm sitting pretty." And was Scholastic like, "Um, hello lady, we need a hit. I need you to get on it. I need you to write it and I'm going to shove a couple million dollars at you to do it." And she didn't just have time to write a really good story. Like I don't understand 10 years is a long time to write a book. I don't, I feel like she didn't have, she wasn't thinking about writing another book. And then all of a sudden Scholastic was like, oh, we got you on contract. Got to do it or something. It just felt rushed. It felt like she didn't really have time to like really get into it. I I almost wonder if this was like a pre set up for Hunger Games in her own thinking. Right. So like she had to write some sort of a backstory for Snow before she even wrote the Hunger Games. So it's almost like to me, I was I th- I felt like these were like note cards that she just kind of put off to the side, like oh well, Snow had this and Snow had that, and there you go. Like she just kind of ran with those little uh, points that she already had from ten years ago, and it just wasn't developed as well as it could have been. I agree with you. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, you know, like it kind of like. Like if I were envisioning like someone talking or about, you know, George Martin talking about Game of Thrones, right? You got to have a backstory for all your people as <laughs> you're developing them. So I just felt like that was probably where that came from. It was just poorly developed. It really was. Yeah. Mm. yeah. All right. Well, those are all my dislikes. Okay. You want to go into likes? So, yeah, so my first like, um, which was a huge thing for me, is that I got more as to like how the games came to be, because that was something that when you read the first, you know, book of the Hunger Games, like you're kind of like, okay, so it's like just like the capital's way of, you know, basically holding everyone by their gonads and being like, we still got you. We still own you. But hey, participate in this game. You can bet on it. And if your district wins, then you guys get food and blah, blah, blah. Like, but I wanted more as to like, where did the games actually come from? And I felt like uh, I got that from this book, which is what I really was hoping for. And so that was definitely one of my big major likes for this book. So I was like, oh, there it is. There it is. <laughs> 
Yeah, you? I I agree. I liked seeing the progression from what where the Hunger Games started, which was, I mean. If you thought where the hunger, the seventy fourth annual Hunger Games was bad, woo, the tenth annual Hunger Games was, was terrible as far as woo. the treatment of tributes. It was awful. They were basically treated like animals, basically. So mm-hmm. I did like the progression of the Hunger Games, and you can see a lot of Snow's influences, which we'll talk about more in the spoiler okay. edition. But yeah, I agree. I like that a lot. I really liked that part. Okay, what's one of your likes? Um, I, I did like that. Once again, the first half of the book was way better than the second half. I liked that Collins really, and I did, and this was a dislike too. So it, it's kind of a double edged, but I do think that she planted some seeds into Snow's eventual psychotic behavior, even though his demise was too quick. There were some seeds. Like we do know what happened to his parents, we oh we forgot to mention Tigress. She's his cousin. She's in the book as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and in the beginning of the story, like I don't, it might be a little spoiler, but I'm going to say it anyway. Like he has, he's poor. He is poor, and he's 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 keeping up appearances as best as he possibly can, which makes him a certain kind of person, um, if you can imagine. And Tigress is gone, and he has to get ready for school, and he's afraid that she has to prostitute herself to get him a shirt. This is where he is in his life, and where Pan Am is at this point in time. And so he does have a compelling backstory and reasons as to why he is the way he is. And she does plant a lot of little seeds there. And I, I did like that. I, every time I learned something new about him, I was like, oh, that's why. Okay, that makes sense. It was like, I was enjoying that. So I, yeah, I like that. Yeah, no, I would totally agree with you there. Um, that was another like of mine as well. Um, I really liked um, Dr. Gull. Okay, who is the oh. one who is in? She's like the game mate, the game maker, right? The game maker. Yeah, yeah. Her as a character, you want to talk about a devious, hidden agenda woman? That's your lady, right there. That's all I'm going to say. I was just every yeah. time there were things that happened with her, my mouth was hanging open because I was like, "What a twisted woman." What a sick and twisted woman. But it was so intriguing. I'm like, maybe this is where Snow got his, like, twistedness, you know? Just because, like, this is a person who is literally teaching him at the academy. Like, she is a teacher that is, like, asking them uh, the one paper that they had to write about what they liked about the war. And everyone in class is like, what do you mean what did we like? Uh, the fact that, that, that that's over, that's what we liked, you know? And she was like, no, 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 no. You know, and she, like, goes into this, like, swick, a swick, oh, my gosh, sick, <laughs> psychotic, like, twist as to why someone would benefit from the war in a good way. And I was like, oh, there it is. That's a seed, yet again, into how Snow, you know, comes to be the person that that he is like he's being influenced by this woman who is who you know <laughs> I really liked her um I almost thought she was related to um Wyrus and what's her name BD BB the yes. female that kept saying the clock, the clock, the ticking of the clock. I almost thought that they were related because she kept repeating little weird stuff like that. And maybe they are, I don't know. But yeah, she was I liked her 
But then I thought she went a little too over the top. So and oh, there were moments great. where she was a little too. <laughs> <laughs> great. Yeah, I liked her and I would definitely want to read more about her. If there is another book, I'm definitely interested in her as a character, which I'm pretty sure she's going to be in there. Uh, mm-hmm. But yeah, I agree. Mm-hmm. That, that's all I'm going to say, though, because you can't can't give any more <laughs> on her backstory. Um, so if you look at this book with a critical eye after you get over your initial emotional response, there's actually a lot here. And this is a very good discussion book. If you are like discussing it with your book club or if you have a teen book club or something, um, there are a lot of themes here and I'm just going to run through some of them. Um, the capital is kind of awful, to not only the districts, but to everybody, including the capital members. They are awful. And there's a lot to discuss there, including hunger. Um, Snow gets his food. I tell you, Snow is destitute. His family is poor. And Snow only gets to eat at school, which is what is happening in our country right now. Kids eat at Mm -hmm. school. That's the only time they get to eat. She's saying something about that. That is a source of uh, discussion. He's also very hungry all the time. And so there are there are some reasons why it is called the Hunger Games. And it's not, I mean, it's meant literally, but there is more to just that. And your whole talking about when you're talking about the whole vomiting thing, like mm-hmm. that is connected to why he's always hungry. Um, there is this one moment, I can't remember who says this, but in one of, in one moment, someone says, oh, I think it's no, he was saying how at, during the war, it was, it got so bad that it was against the law to throw away garbage because garbage could be sal- salvageable. And he was saying that waste equals prosperity, meaning if you can afford to throw something away, you have money you are wealthy and um i really liked what he was saying or what suzanne collins was saying with this because um um it's a social commentary on consumerism you know we are consumers Mm -hmm. we throw stuff away all the time and i don't mean literally throw away but if you donate something to the salvation army or something that's that's you're throwing it away and i was Mm -hmm. ironically watching a youtube video on um is a youtuber i watched called wheezy waiter he's really funny he um he was talking about why do people like minimalism and i'm like if you are a minimalist it's because you can be if you are a minimalist and you don't choose to, that means you're poor. Like we're in a country where we can choose to be minimalist because we don't want to have extra waste in our life. Like yeah. once again, that's a theme that Suzanne Collins is trying to say, and not to mention all the symbolism with the mocking Jay and snakes mm-hmm. and songbirds. Like there's a lot here that you can really pick apart and discuss. And that's why I upped my rating to a four because after I did my notes and thought about it, I was like, oh, wait a minute. I'm this is a lot, there's a lot here in this book that I totally I caught it at the time, but initially my initial reaction was, oh damn, I didn't like that world. But then after I thought about it, I was like, oh well, wait a minute, there's so much more going on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I I, I agree a hundred percent. Like the themes, especially that come out in this book, you're like oh my goodness, you want to talk about our world? There it is. There it is. You know, and I I felt like it wasn't done poorly either. Like it was done very eloquently because you're like, oh, 
you know, if you actually sit and pick apart like the words that are coming out of, you know, Snow's mouth or Lucy Gray's mouth or Dean Highbottom or any any of these or Sejanus for that instance, you know, like his best friend that's put in this world and he's like, I don't want to be here. Like, I want to go back to my home. Like, this isn't my home. And he's like, well, what do you mean it's not your home? You live here. And he's like, no, I don't live here. Like, I don't want to be a part of this body of people. And like, how many times does that happen in the United States, for example? Like, this isn't really my home. Well, what actually constitutes your, your home? Is it the people you're with or the values that, that you live by? You know, and mm-hmm. so like that, like, it's just huge and just so huge because each of these different people are like a little piece of that in this book, which I find very interesting. And I really like Sejanus. Is that that's how you say his name? Sejanus, yeah. whatever. Janus. Yeah. Um, yeah. Janus. <laughs> <laughs> so, Mr. Janus, anyway. Um, I also liked the fact that, like, they enlisted mentors for the first time um, in this particular book. So with, like, Snow and his um, classmates, um, having that, I was, like, way to put, like, you know, your young adult on the line. Like, if that were to happen in our society today, right, If, if, you know, President Trump just was, like, hey, I'm going to elect 55 individuals from each of your states and you are going to represent and govern your states and how crazy that would be, right? Like one of the main reasons as to why, you know, Dr. Gull was like behind um, like pushing Snow to like act and be a certain way is because she was trying to get him to see that like when you're faced in a world where there are no rules anymore. Like like the rules are stripped away and the only rules left are your survival. Like how do you turn into um, a monster? Are you a good monster or a bad monster? Like that whole thing? Mind blowing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I could go into that for hours, but I won't. It's okay. Um, That's pretty much what I liked about it. I know it doesn't seem like a lot, but we can't really talk about it too much because it's spoilers. So I will get into my likes a lot more in the spoiler edition. But I mean, I I liked it more than I disliked it, even though it didn't seem like we had a lot more dislikes than we did likes. But I did like it more than I disliked it. And a lot of my dislikes were nitpicks. They weren't like huge deal breakers. So that's all I had. Mine too. Mine too. I agree. I don't think I can say any more without giving away any spoilers because a lot of how mm-hmm. I feel definitely alludes to a spoiler. <laughs> yep. All right. So we're going to be ready have? for that. Yeah. Um, but before we start the spoiler edition, um, if you haven't read the book and you are joining or you are leaving us right now, we just want to say, well, thank you for joining us for the spoiler free edition. And next week, hopefully we get through chain. It's chain of gold by Cassandra Clare. Yes. That book is big as hell. It's a door stopper. Yeah. It's almost. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, maybe we need to do two weeks. I saw that. Oh, that's a big book. Okay. Um, Well, we got to decide now because I'm going to be, I'm going to start it today. Like, do you have the book? 
no, I have to get it. So I'm like, I'm, I'm okay. on a waiting list. <gasps> You're and on a waiting list? Okay. Weeks. Oh, no. Uh, when no. did you try and download it? When did you try and get it? Yes. Or two days ago. Two days ago. Okay. Because I, did you try to download the ebook or the audiobook? The ebook. The audiobook right. is I already got- like, uh, oh, yeah. oh no, sorry. The audiobook is like a month out on hold. All right. You guys don't want to hear our conversation. Anyway, I checked out the ebook. Yeah. So it's <laughs> me that you're waiting on. So I'm going to, when we get off of air, I am going to release my ebook and you jump on right away. Hopefully you're next in line to get it. Sounds good. Okay. Okay. Otherwise, it might be Chain of Gold. If I'm not, number... we'll... <laughs> yeah. We'll what talk. number are you? We'll talk. <laughs> okay. Okay. It, says, oh, it might not be Chain number... of Gold, guys. Yeah. We'll see. <laughs> okay yeah, we'll see number right, one we'll, in line okay so then okay yeah all right so everybody who is listening to us live we are about to start start our spoiler edition for everybody else uh thank you for joining us and we'll figure out what we're going to read next week it'll be a surprise to both of us um but thank you for joining us and we'll catch you in the next podcast and we are going to start the spoiler edition of the Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes. I get the order wrong. Yeah, Songbirds and Snakes. I do too. By Suzanne Collins. <laughs> and five, four, three, two, one. Okie dokie. Three, two, one. So we are now in the spoiler edition. Okay, so people left. All right, cool. Um, okay. Left. <laughs> I, I hope they left. Otherwise, they're about to be spoiled. All right, um, so let's get into <laughs> Snow. Since he is the star of the show here. Let's get into him and all the spoiler goodness. Yeah. So I, okay. With snow as an 18 year old, I really enjoyed the fact that it goes into his life as this, like he is poor as all get out. Right. I mean, like they're eating leftover soup that tastes like poo. You know, it, it it reminds me so much as like where we see, um, you know, primrose and, Katniss and their mom like their situation at home when like we're thrown into their lives and how very little food they have and I'm like oh is this like you know supposed to be like uh, a setup basically as to like why Snow is the way that he is like he's always wanting to um put on that that better face and he's like terrified that people are going to see like right through his facade right Um, And Mm -hmm. this whole idea that he's struggling to keep up their reputation, you know, and however, uh, oh, what was I going to say? Hold on. Um, Yeah. However, numerous times throughout the book, like we see Snow, like he isn't like this loving, kind person. He's possessive about his personal things, right? He's, He's always trying to work things out for himself while he's struggling still to keep engaged in relationships at school, because those relationships at school are vital to keeping up the snow name, right? Cause he's got to continuously keep up this appearance that he has everything together. He's not um, involved in anyone's uh, relationships too deep. Um, it's almost like he's got these weird commitment issues and he only trusts Tigress and his grand am, right? Grand, grand yeah. am, whatever her name is. Um, and then, like, his friend, uh, Sejina, sometimes. And then his friend, Clementine. 
Clemencia, yeah. whatever her name is. Something yeah. like that. So I find that really interesting because he has such a hard time like committing to people. Just in general. Well, I so think that's part of his more of a Oh, go ahead. I was just no, go ahead. You finish your thought. No, yeah. I think I just it it unfortunately like I wish I had more backstory on like like I wish we would have been, you know, talking or not talking, but listening to Snow's point of view from at 30 versus 18. Because I feel like a lot of these emotions and ideas weren't as vaguely developed in his brain because he was like all over the place. I found him to be quite, um, I think I can understand why he doesn't have a lot of friends. I don't, I, like I said, I have a weird, weird fascination with like serial killers and stuff. And serial killers are psychotic. They're manipulative. They're per- they're they're charming on purpose. They know exactly what they're doing. And he's also very much like that of the definition of a psychotic person. And mm-hmm. his relationships are all phony. Like you said, he's only in relationships to enhance him himself. He's friends with mm-hmm. Sir Janus because they're wealthy. And maybe, I mean, at first he kind of was just like, oh God, here this kid comes. But Sir Janus is wealthy. So he was really still trying to befriend him because his family had status and money. He really didn't like him, even from the beginning. He kind of felt sorry for him, but it was still never his real friend, especially since he betrayed him in the end. But um all of his relationships, none of his relationships are real except for Tigress. She and his grandmother. And that was fucked up too. Like it not the not Tigress, but the grandma. Um, so I think it's quite on brand for him to not have any real friends because when he is done with Lucy Gray, he's just like, Well, I'm just gonna marry for convenience. I'm not gonna ever fall in love with anybody. Uh so that he doesn't have to have any real ties. So I think she planted that really well. Um, He has, like I said, he has no money, but he tries to make it seem like he has money. The snow name used to mean something and now it doesn't. And he, that hurts him deeply. If, if, If the only thing that hurts him is his snow's name is being sullied. That's the only thing that really uh, bothers him he hates sir janus mm-hmm. because he hates their family anyway because they are quote unquote new money and he was old money mm-hmm. and his money is gone and kind of the same way his money's gone they have money because his family invested in district 13 and they went under and there went all of his money while the sir janus family they invested in something else mm-hmm. i can't remember um so in i lumber i think it was i think they invested in okay. district seven or nine whatever lumber is it might be okay too i can't remember okay (laughs) yeah yeah uh so yeah i do think that his backstory was pretty pretty good that's why i wish she hadn't have made him too she didn't make him too sympathetic but i he, he there were moments where he was like he hates being in the spotlight and when he finally got some recognition he wanted all for himself but mm-hmm. there were moments where when clementine whatever her name is when he let her take credit and then he kind of saw oh damn don't ever do that like gall definitely affected him but he did have these moments of like sympathy and then he had these moments of like 
crazy. <laughs> and he would say out to loud to the reader, I'm going to be friend with this person because they can help me here. And I'm going to friend this person because they can help me here. Like he was very calculating. And I thought that it was good development, if anything. Mm-hmm. No, I agree. I think, I think that there were moments where like we saw a little bit into his like psychotic brain starting to turn because he almost had like a battle of like morale, like per se, like with every decision there came, like, I feel like he weighed each option, like, oh, well, if I do this, then this is what's going to happen. You know, like with, with Clementine in, in their paper, right. You know, like he put her name on it because someone just died. One of their classmates just died. They witnessed the death of them. And he's like, I, I couldn't sleep. So therefore I worked on this paper. I mean, like, how many times does that happen? Like, like in school or people just group together and there's like a situation that happens. So therefore one person will do all the work and they're totally okay with it because they understood like the circumstance. But Dr. Gull in this particular instance, she made um, them basically own up to whether or not they did something. And I felt like that was like the extremist way that you could possibly go because not only does Clemencia, I think that's her name, takes credit for writing the, this paper, right? You know, he doesn't say anything because he's like, she's she's my buddy. Like, I, I was there for her. But he's also like, well, I really did stay up and do this. Like, who knows? Whatever. But then she gets bit and, like, half turned into a freaking snake. <laughs> and he's like, wow, never going to do that again. You know, like, he... There was such a dramatic response to everything that happened. So like the repercussion was totally like the opposite end of a spectrum, right? Like the worst of the worst that could possibly happen. There wasn't really anything in the middle. And the same thing happened with his relationship, you know, with Sejanus, Lucy Gray, a couple other mentors like in his class, right? Like there are all these like extreme repercussions and it's like, okay, well in our world today, that wouldn't happened but it could so he was just faced with a bunch of these like extreme responses and I think that that added to why Snow is as devious and as extreme as he is because he's always like five steps ahead because he was trained to think that way right he's a product of his environment Mm -hmm. yeah I agree that's a good point yeah, he is always five steps ahead. That he and he really did like weigh every option possible, and which one yeah, was he, going to be the best outcome for himself. And yeah, mm-hmm. and it always was. It would always was because that that's what him and Tigress always talked about. You know, snow lands on top. That's their model. So like, whatever he could do to land on top, not drag his name through the mud, he was going to do. Yeah. Um, anything else about, I mean, it's all going to be talking about snow, but anything like specifically Mm -hmm. you had anything to say about snow? Mm, I don't think anything else other than like his weird possessiveness that he like has towards everything. Yeah. Um, But I think we talked about that though. Let's talk about his relationship with Lucy and why I didn't like it. (laughs) Um, I, I, yeah, I wish she hadn't put in a love interest thing. I, I think that ruined it because it ruined it and it didn't ruin it. Um, I just don't see how this one, 
I, I, towards the end of the book, he basically became a paranoid mess. And I just don't see how this one girl would just make him. He was already there. He was already on the crazy train. But then she like gave him the first class ticket. I don't know how to explain. It. I don't know how to like metaphor. I'll, you know, do that. That's not a word. But I don't like how Lucy and his relationship and how she had this other guy and he kept being jealous of that. And then I just didn't like it. I didn't, I didn't like her in the second half. I didn't like their romance. Like I said, before I was almost spoiled it, I really wish that Lucy had been using snow just to win the games. And then he found out that she was just using him. And then he went crazy. That would make more sense because he was lied to. He trusted someone she lied to them, and now he's never going to trust anyone ever again and just be all about himself. That would have made more sense than a romance. Yeah. Yes. And that was the thing that I had a problem with because, like, okay, I, I actually did enjoy the tad bit of the, of the romance. Just not like it was my favorite thing in the whole entire world. It's not going to make my top ten romantic characters of all time. But <laughs> their whole relationship as a whole, like Snow has only known capital, right? Because he was born into it. He's he's old money. He's gonna be president someday. It's just in his blood already. That's where they're like they're trying to continue this out for him. You know, and then he's presented with a a girl that's like, oh crap, she's at the lowest district and I need to win. I need to win because it's going to help me graduate with merits. Like, right? He's gonna make it at the top of the highest awards, whatever. So he like kind of goes out of his way for this girl and she's like this super crazy funky spirited girl you know like the first time we meet her she's you know has a snake in her pocket and she's using it to put on another girl's dress I was like all right all right I like you you backstab me I'm gonna put a snake down your dress sounds good you know um and so then we're meeting them and then he's put in a situation with her where they're deemed as, as equals, right? Like where, you know, all of the, the district representatives for the hunger games come in on this train and they dump them into the zoo. Right. And they're literally just put into this cage. And now he is faced with this option of like, do I hold face or do I um, align myself to my tribute? You know, and what does that look like? So, like, that's where that common interest is shared, right? They're put into the similar situations, and therefore, they're going to become to become one to kind of work this off together. So, he's gained her trust there, you know. And then him bringing her food because realizes, you know, she's not being fed. They're literally keeping these tributes in a cage, which is just so horrific and hard to see because you can see that they they are. Um, being starved they're dehydrated like no one is coming to them so it's I think he felt sympathetic for her so that was like that small little part where I was like oh snow still has a heart but yet that also does mean that he can still bleed right because something matters to him um so I guess like I had an issue with the fact that like that was the whole point of the them being in the Hunger Games together, he was like, "Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna be there with her, and I what, what can I give her to symbolize that I'm there with her?" But the whole time in the back of his brain, he's like, "Cause I need to win," and then he was jealous of her mm-hmm. spotlight, and then he kind of like dims that down again because he's like, Ooh, "No, no, 
it's still about me, girlfriend. Even though we want them to like you, it's still about me. He was still struggling with that face and like wanting to maintain that and not wanting people to, uh, I guess, let Lucy Gray outshine Snow. And so we had that whole thing. And then when we went into the third part where it's after the games, I'm like, that was it? What? Why did we spend so much time on their relationship? And then now it's just, oh, I can I can follow after her and it's fine. You know, and then there's the part where, you know, he she leaves him. We have no idea why. And then he just decides, well, guess I'm done with her. See you later. Hopping back on the train to the Capitol. Well, even even as he was, he only he only wanted to leave with her because he was going to be found out. He never really, yes. he, he, like you said, it was always a double thing. Like I, it's all about me, but kind of about her, but it's mostly about me. And so, cause he was trying to find a way to ditch her so that he could go back to the Capitol and be a, a student. And mm-hmm. which I think is a good thing. I'm not mad about that. I think that's a good thing. I just wish Suzanne had a gone for it. Like, whole hop just like go for it don't mm-hmm. don't i don't know it's i don't know but i i like what you said about everything with it oh thanks <laughs> but i think his indecisiveness was selfish it really wasn't about the welfare oh, of her yeah. it was all about him the for most of the part most of any conflict he had even with sir janus it was like oh well am I going to be found out? Are they going to find me? He could give two shits about Sir Janus and if he lived or not. Mm-hmm. <sighs> yeah. Yep. Okay. Yep. <laughs> um, one, let me see what else. Let's talk about the Capitol, I guess, because I have some stuff to say about the Capitol and how they're portrayed <laughs> in the book. Um, what I picked up on is, well, first of all, in the 74th, Hunger Games, um, hung, uh, Katniss's Hunger Games, District One and District Two are the like there's they're they're not part of the capital, but they're like the wealthier districts and they're heralded more, whereas the other ones are not. Um, and the farther down you get, the worse it is. But in this book, District One and District Two are still awful, filthy districts. Nobody likes them either. Um, and the capital treats everybody like shit like they treat the capital people like shit and I, which i thought was really interesting um they the capital controls food not just to the districts but they controlled food to the capital like even to the students they could feed them more but they didn't and they controlled um they they controlled snow and i don't think he realized it like there was when he won the hunger games he was like, oh, our elevator automatically works. And I was like, oh, mm-hmm. my God. And they turned on his electricity at one point. The capital controls everybody. And this is a point mm-hmm. of discussion. It's like the capital controls everyone's basic needs, food, water, and shelter. And it's kind of like Stockholm Syndrome. When you deprive someone of their basic needs, they hate you. But then when you give it to them, they love you. And they like, oh, the, I yeah. love the capital because they give me food and they give me shelter and they give me water. And this is more so of the, the not the district so much as it is the capital people. Um, but the capital is incredibly manipulative. And he, he probably eventually realizes this. And now he is the capital and he is controlling 
everybody, whether they realize it or not. And uh, I kind of mm-hmm. found that a little compelling about the Capitol. Mm-hmm. Oh, no, 100%. I mean, it just it just continues to project this capital of being like, like, we hold everything that is dear to you. You will listen to us because we now are, you know, holding your water, your electricity, your food, your shelter, all of that. So you will listen because we're a dictatorship. And guess what? We hold all the keys to everything. Yeah. So that's that's that that. point there. Yeah, he learns that mm-hmm. pretty quickly, especially with the food thing. And this is what I was getting back to the whole vomiting mm-hmm. thing, um, because throughout the whole book, he is hungry. He's hungry, too. And he can never get uh-huh. enough food. And so when he becomes uh, the president and my what I think is he made sure that the people who lived in the Capitol had so much food that if they wanted to vomit up, they could eat more. And it wasn't an overindulgence thing. It was more of a, I will never go without food ever again. And I'm not going to let these people go without food ever again. If you can kind of put a good spin on that, even though the other districts were starving, but yeah, because he was starving as a teenager and a kid, he was like, Oh, we're going to eat till we vomit. And then we're going to eat some more. And I was like, that's where that comes from. I like that. Mm-hmm. No, and I liked it too because even it even ties into like how he treated the tributes um, in the actual Hunger in the seventy fourth Hunger Games, right? When those tributes yeah. come in, they're treated like royalty, yep. and for good reason because it is um, literally a mirror as to like all the things that he disliked uh, from his time in the Hunger Games and being a mentor and having a tribute, like it's. And to me, that shows a, a better part of Snow masked in this, like, devious, cunning, manipulative, possessive person, right? He's like, I don't ever want anyone ever to feel hungry when they're in my city. They're going to be clothed, and they're going to be given everything that they need while they're here. You know? So yeah. I think that that did show, like, a better side of him, although it is masked, you know, and he's this terrible person and yada, yada, yada. <laughs> But I did I, I did like that though. Yeah, um yeah, I was gonna add something to that. Um yeah, like you were saying, they in in the number ten Hunger Games, they just kind of came on this awful, I don't know, in the back of some kind of pig carriage, I don't know. And now they take this bullet train to the Capitol. And the first thing they do is eat. And in the original Hunger Games books, mm-hmm. she talked about food so much because not only is it called the hunger games literally but it is figuratively the hunger games too but he um i was trying to look through my notes where he was talking about um oh i can't find it um basically what he learns from gall is um god i can't i can't remember i can't remember what i was gonna say but the three c's the three c's is that what you're talking what about? What are the three No, but what are they? Where he learns, you know, where he learns about chaos, control, and contract. Contract. Yeah, I wasn't. Go- I I know what you're talking about there, but that wasn't the point I was going to make. Oh no, no, it was it was at the end where they were. Um, ugh, I keep getting it, and then I keep forgetting it again. <laughs> it was it's like Is the it very last chapter, the in the epilogue. Dean. Oh, with, with Dean Highbottom? 
with that issue, you know, where they're like, uh, like this. Oh my God. Where is it? Which part? Uh, I think it, okay. I'm going to, I have like okay, I remember that I wrote down. Oh, I remember, I remember, I remember. Okay, so um, at the very end, he's talking to the dean, and he's like, I don't know if he's talking, yeah, he's talking to the dean. It's like, people need a, a stake in the Hunger Games because mm-hmm. um, you give them food, and you give them a reason to root for their tribute, and then you give them a place to live, which I was talking about before is their basic needs, food and shelter, and they will they will love you for it. But it's still a manipulation. He's still he's still carrying on that twisted thing of we're gonna we're gonna manipulate you by giving you food and shelter. You think that we love you and we're taking care of you, but we're really not. It's just for our entertainment. And so yes, he he made the games better and he feeds them and they get treated better, but he's still manipulating them in his own little twisted way. And that's where I was going with that. Yeah. A for, a for sure thing right there. <laughs> oh, man. Um, what was... I wanted to talk about, like, the... One thing I wish I would have had is, like, a POV from Lucy Gray. Um, because I enjoyed, you know, when we're reading the first uh, trilogy of, of The Hunger Games, you know, being in the game itself with Katniss and with Peeta and like all of that, like I enjoyed that per- perspective of being inside of the games. And I felt like because, you know, it's being told from Snow's point of view, we didn't get access into the games at all, other than him just like waiting around for her to pop out of a tunnel. You know, and it's like, oh, if she would just show her face, which I found really interesting because then the whole um, the capital in the 74th Hunter Games, like you could see them everywhere on the main screens. Like they had cameras and all this other stuff. So just that just really showed the evolution of the game. But Mm -hmm. it was so weird because I'm like, where where are they? You know, (laughs) Um, so I wish that we would have had that. and is there anything else that you wanted to add to that, Daryl, or no? Not to the games, no. Oh, okay. Um, I wanted to talk about um, Serginus's relationship with Snow, right? So you have these two buddies that kind of just melded really well together, and you find that Snow becomes... Uh, sympathetic towards him but very loosely when I say that like it's almost like, like a knee-jerk reaction where he's like oh Sergio is doing something that's against protocol like I should say something to save him from hurting himself right but yet Sergius just continues to defy the capital like he's constantly standing up for the fact that he's that the, the Hunger Games are super inhumane. You're literally bringing people to die. That's not right. You know, and like all of these things, he's almost like to me, like, let's start a riot over here. So JS is starting it. Let's go because he's now has a voice um, from the district uh, to bring to the Capitol. And I just... I really wanted their relationship to continue to grow in a positive manner. And it was just so sad because, you know, Sergius is struggling with like the fact that his one of 
his tribute was a friend of his from District 2, like way back when, you know, and so he's trying to trade tributes with, you know, Snow, and Snow's like, no, because then, you know, I've got this awesome girl, and you have someone that you know. Like, it's, it was just really weird to me how, like, Snow was there for Sejanus, but yet he wasn't at the same time. You know, he goes into the games to get him and comes back out. And then he's all excited when Sejanus becomes a peacekeeper with him. Because he's like, oh, okay, someone who's kind of like on my team. But yeah, it's all about Snow, right? Like Snow is going to do whatever he can to make sure that he isn't seen as, you know, a black sheep, if you will. Like, oh, I'm, nope, I'm following the rules. Like, don't look at me. It's okay. It's not like I did anything wrong. But yet he was there every single time that, you know, Sejanus is faced with an opportunity to either be a part of the rebels or to be a part of the capital. I think that the relationship was pivotal in this book because, um, first of all, Snow's whole family was killed by rebels. And I think Suzanne Collins really could have leaned into, I hate rebels because they killed my whole family. She didn't because it could have gone, come across as trophy. I still wish she had have leaned into a little bit harder with, especially with Sir Janus because he was a rebel sympathizer. Um, but I think their relationship is important because it shows that if Snow is going to betray his best friend, he's going to betray anybody. It really doesn't matter with the exception of Tigris that that and his grandmother, that's it. He, and it does set him up further on to be a awful person because he betrayed his best friend. And not only that, he didn't feel bad about it after it happened. Nope. He was like, woohoo, I get to go back to the Capitol and I'm going to be his parents' new son and I'm going to get, their money. And that's why I did when you and earlier in the podcast, when you were talking about that whole dynamic with his family and why that, why that needed to be there. That's how he came to be where he was. He was, he was rising with the snow name. He, he went rock bottom and now he's used his family to rise again. He's an imposter. He used his family and his family's name and this money. And he used their sympathy for their dead son to make himself a snow again. And I thought that was yep. fucking fantastic personally because he's crazy. He has no remorse. I he know. has no empathy. He uses his people as much as he possibly can to get as much as he possibly can. And I... I liked that part. I like, if you're going to make his part, if you're going to make him crazy, make him freaking insane. Don't tell the line, yep. go for it. And I like that she went for it in the epilogue. Not so much when at the very end of the time he was a peacekeeper, but more so when he came back and he confronted the Dean and all that stuff. Like, yeah. Yeah, no, that, okay. The whole entire time I was reading that, that last part in the epilogue where, you know, so Janus has literally hung because he was part of the rebels and like Snow was like, well, that's really sad because I no longer have him, but thank goodness they didn't find me and I need to make sure they don't find me and connect me in any way or form. Um, and he like steals his trinkets and like intercepts the money that he had sent to Tigris and his granium that was Janus's leftover money to support his family. And I'm like, oh my goodness. No, I was screaming at the book as I'm reading it. And then to have him go back and he's just like, like a snake slithered in and just like set up camp in this Plymouth family's home and is like, 
the golden boy. He was there for their son. Um, now that their son's gone, oh, adopt me because you were friends with my dad. You know that I need you and you need me. And this is kind of just like a big cover up. And it's like he's just a, a fox in sheep's clothing, man. He just like weaseled in there. And I'm like, oh, my goodness. And the fact that like, you know, Ma, who's Sejanus' mom, it was just so sad because she loved her son so much. And it's like, Snow is this horrible person. I loved it. I loved all that. I'm like, oh my goodness. I was literally like, okay, no, I liked it too, but I was so in shock that that's what was happening. I was like, oh, you. Yeah, I was shocked. Tinker. Oh my gosh. So, yeah, that was well well done, Suzanne. Well done. Because I definitely was feeling all sorts of emotions towards that. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Um, one thing I wanted to talk about was just how, and this is what I was saying, how it was a like and a dislike, how she seemed to be checking stuff off as she went along. But mm-hmm. I kind of liked that because it was like, she was answering questions that I didn't realize I needed answered in the original trilogy, you know, yeah, he has this weird Rose thing, but I mean, only thing I'm caring concerned about is he's leaving Katniss this bouquet of roses after he threatens her. I can give a shit about where the roses mm-hmm. came from. But then when she explains where the roses come from, I was like, Oh, I didn't realize I needed to know that information, but I'm, I'm glad I did. Um, his grandmother had a lot of influence over him because she hated the districts and she, he loved her. And, you know, he, there were moments where he was like, Oh, grandma, don't be like that. But eventually he was just like, yeah, well, she's got a point. (laughs) Yep. Um, so I liked that we learned a lot of, um, we learned a lot of the things that I didn't realize that I needed to know and the poison, that was one of them. He, the first thing person he poisoned was the dean. Um, yep. Yeah. Which, and from then on, like, that's what he used oh to poison boy. for. Oh boy! You know. <laughs> Let's that talk about the dean while we're while we're there. Let's just mm-hmm. talk about the whole dean dynamic. Um, what did you think was the reason why? Don't say why yet. We'll get to it. But I, because I, I had my own theory, and I was like, whoa! I wasn't expecting that. <laughs> What did you think was the reason why he he did the old Snape on um, Snow? Oh, so my thing was that, like, either um, Snow's dad and him, like, got into a tiff about Snow's mom. That's what I thought it was about. I thought that, like, Snow's dad and him were, like, betting on whether she would be turned this way or that way, you know, and he ended up losing the bet or whatever. That was not what happened. Yeah, at first I... Yeah, at first I thought it was because the mom, once again, the whole Snape thing, yeah. the mom, yep. his mom chose his father instead of uh, Dean Highbottom. And then I was like, oh, that's kind of tropey. And then I thought, well, maybe he was in love with Snow's father. But I'm like, mm, this is scholastic. They're not going to put any gay overtones in this book. And I just had <laughs> no idea. And so, and so when it was because his father started the game because of a freaking paper, I was like, yep. whoa. Well, that's fucking great mm-hmm. because um, I feel like this 
especially the beginning of the book, Snow, like I said, he has nothing but his name. He is nothing. He is destitute. They are poor. They are broke. They have nothing. And Dean Highbottom is basically like, you, you, you suck. You're Snow. You, your, your last name sucks too. But to come to find out that his father started the whole Hunger Games is quite serendipitous because now he's like, well, now, the, the the Hunger Games are his family's namesake. He has something. And that's why he puts so much time and effort into making this Hunger Games a spectacle because he owns it. His father started it. It's all his. And it makes so much more sense to this, mm-hmm. the whole, just everything. It just makes so much more sense that his father would be the originator of it. I loved all of that. Yeah, no, well, and it's it's both of them, too. Like, they both got drunk one night, you know, and it's like, this was their, like, yeah, as they said, because I definitely took a picture of it, um, like, this particular part of the, of the book. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's like where, you know, Dean Highbottom is like, oh, well, half the credit goes to your father. And Snow's like, oh, how do you mean? I thought the Hunger Games were your idea. And he goes, well, no, it was for Gull's class, yet again, this crazy lady, mm-hmm. you know, which I was failing since my loathing of her made participation impossible. You know, they paired off and um, they were assigned to create a punishment for one's enemies so extreme that they would never be allowed to forget how they wronged you. It was like a puzzle, which I excelled at, meaning high bottom, like all good creations, absurdly simple at its core. The Hunger Games, the evilest impulse, clearly are, are cleverly packaged into a sporting event and entertainment. I was drunk and your father got me drunker still, playing on my vanity as I fleshed the thing out, assuring me it was a private joke. And the next morning, he turns it in without his permission. And I'm like, oh my goodness, way to come full circle. You know, <laughs> on that whole yeah. entire thing. But it's like, oh, my goodness. You know, that like what started off is like a drunk, twisted conversation on how we could possibly abuse people as punishment and think nothing of it because we're in this whole other situation. You know, it's basically like two animals. When you put them in a cage and their only thing is to survive, what type of monsters do they turn into? And this whole thing was born from that. And I'm like, oh, oh my goodness. It's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but we see little glimpses of like the fact that Snow and his father thought very similarly. And just like this twisted, manipulative, like, oh, well, you know, if I did this, this, and this, like, eh, that might work. Oh, hey, let's have people bet on the games. That was Snow's idea to have people mm-hmm. bet and to, you know, make it at this whole spectator event to have people watching because, you know, what did he need? Food and people to look at him. That's what he needed. You got it. Yeah. Yeah, I like the the commonalities between Snow and his father and he, this whole – and Gaul really likes to use these students to – to <laughs> to govern or whatever she's doing it's like oh my god she's still with this paper thing write this paper oh my god mm-hmm. yeah yeah i i like i like that you, ending i yeah no that was great and the fact that he poisoned him i was like there we go yep there it starts 
you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted to just briefly talk about what were your thoughts on Dr. Gull and her whole, um, I guess, lab that's just like going under detected by the Capitol. Because like Dean Highbottom, isn't he like president at the time? Right? I don't think he's president. I think he is the headmaster of the school. Okay. Well, There's a different president. Actual okay. Well, then I guess we don't ever see him then. I think he says something one time, but that's it. Okay. Anyway, the fact that her lab is just like creating all these crazy things with the jabber jays, the mocking jays that are now like morphed out of the jabber jays and another type of bird. Um, she didn't create that. Snakes. No, the jabber jays were a product of the first like Hunger Games. I thought the jabber jays were, I thought the jabber jays mated with the mock, the mockingbird and oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The jabber jays and the mockingbirds and they became the mockingjay. Okay, yeah. Yeah, I think she's just crazy. She's and I mean, we we see the fruits of her labor with those um, those things that get them at the end of book two. Those um, I can't remember what they're called. Um, The dog, the tracker jackers and the dog things like that's all a product of Gaul. And he ended up being uh, an apprentice of her and he ended up being a game maker. Like I'm. Yeah, she was just experimenting and trying to just find ways of being an evil person and carrying out her own weird theories about, like you said, the CCCs. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's just, that's all. That's all I got from her. Yeah, Yeah. and I did like the fact that Suzanne did touch on, like, the whole reason as to why Snow hated the Mockingjay. Yeah, let's get into that. and, And like you said... That that's another checklist. I feel like like that's another thing that she used to check off of her list to make sure she talked about the Mockingjay. But at first, mm-hmm. I think it was just you know he was just like, why is this bird repeating everything that's happening? You know, like because he experienced his first hanging ever in District Twelve, right? You know, and like then they're they're uh, mimicking the last words, and I think to him that was almost like, oh lord, like I don't know if I like that. I don't. I don't know that I like that someone can actually repeat what I could possibly do. Right. Um, and then, you know, with the fact that Lucy, Lucy Gray used the Mockingjays to mask her disappearance, wherever she may be, if she's dead or she ain't dead, but as you say, nobody, no daddy. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Classic mm-hmm. words. Um, so I'm, I'm like, oh my gosh, like his hatred for this Mockingjay is actually, I, in my opinion, I think it's connected to the fact that that's what was used to just, um, to disorientate, disorientate, oh my gosh, yeah, him from finding <laughs> Lucy Gray. I'm the, well, there's, <laughs> there's like a whole discussion that could be had about this whole Mockingjay symbol. Um, because and at some at the end of the book, he's talking to the doctor in District Twelve, and she's telling him that the Mockingjay is, um, what's he say? They why can I never have my freaking notes right? They're unnatural, and mm-hmm. he 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 thinks they're unnatural, and he distrusts their spontaneity. 
And so um, if you think about it, Lucy Gray is spontaneous and she's kind of a natural. She's not from District 12. We don't know anything about her. Um, she has this flamboyant dress. She sings this song. She uses that snake to attack the girl at the reaping. She is a mockingjay. And then and in book two, I think it's book two. I don't know if it's book two or book one, but snow's granddaughter has that freaking mockingjay pin and she's like oh katniss wears it she's the mockingjay and then you're like oh well that's why he doesn't Mm -hmm. like mockingjay and and so i didn't it was kind of a checklist but i think it was an important checklist i do think it was an important part of the book and a deep-seated hate for katniss because she is the freaking mockingjay and he used mockingjays as weapons in her hunger games to kind of i think they were torturing primos i believe and they played in the in the games and it, it drove her it was like psychological warfare and um mm-hmm. so he uses the mockingjay to his benefit but then he also hates it because it's like this this mixture of these two things and Um, I didn't quite understand why he hated it so much. I know he kind of rationalized by saying they're unnatural and, you know, they're spontaneous. So that did kind of bother me. That would, once again, that would be a really good source of discussion for people as to why he really, really, really hated Mockingjays. But as far as what it did to him, his hate and what it did to him, and it really kind of explains why he really hated Katniss. And also, Mm -hmm. we don't know, maybe, maybe... Lucy Gray is an ancestor of Katniss. I'm going to say she is just because she kept saying Katniss. She kept calling it Katniss, the the plant mm-hmm. or whatever. So I'm going to say she is. is a relative of Katniss. Yeah. So I don't know. Yeah. What do you think? I I I think I agree with you, and I think that the you know the whole idea as to what the Mockingjay represents um, is definitely kind of dissected in this book because like you not only learn like he's just he's weirdly put off by them and now it's related to the fact that you know like Lucy Gray um his time being a peacekeeper his time you know basically being presented with things that aren't natural in the world so like things that can um upset the dynamic as to what the capital stands for you know which is this like very repetitious type of way that you're supposed to live in like mocking jays are not anything by the book they are a mutation that was not meant to happen um and then you're given someone like lucy gray like, like you said you know she doesn't fit the bill as a normal tribute she's got these weird songs she lives and dances in the meadow but yet she has a spicy side to her like all of these things that are just abnormal I think he doesn't like it because then it presents him with an issue because he doesn't know how it works you know and then Katniss's name you know like no wonder he didn't like her you know Katniss reminded him of his past love life and now Mm -hmm. she's wearing a mockingjay pin oh my goodness you know (laughs) yeah yeah okay Um, well, as long as we're talking about symbols, let's talk about snakes. Cause I think there's a lot about snakes here. Some of it I couldn't quite connect. Um, but the whole thing about, cause she Gaul made a point to say, if they smell something similar, they ignore it. And if they don't, they attack. And so I think mm-hmm. Gaul may have smelled something similar 
and snow and that's why she like kind of like used him as some kind of weird experiment to see what he would do um but then on the other side high bottom like he could have smelled him metaphorically not like literally and he could have smelled something familiar like his father and he could have ignored it but he doesn't he attacks him so it's like it kind of had an opposite reaction kind of i don't know maybe i'm reading too much into that Mm -hmm. but yeah, there's all kind of snake symbolism going on, and you could spend a long time like talking about that with your group, if you will. But yeah, what do you think about the whole yeah. snake? Um, I think that, that it was so interesting because, like, um, you know, there this whole idea of, uh, you know, what? <laughs> okay, here let let me do this. So, like historically speaking you know like snakes represent um what fertility or like a creative like life force right they shed Mm -hmm. their skin you know there's this whole symbol of them being rebirthed or transformed you know healing all of this stuff like that it's like a continuous renewal and so um I did some research on it. So like the fact that, you know, we're first presented with snakes with Lucy gray and like coming out as like an attack force. Like that's like her showing her like, Oh, well you uh, backstab me, watch me backstab you and you're going to have to pay for it. You know? And then the fact that, you know, with Dr. Gull and he's first presented with her crate of these colorful snakes that are like slithering all over the place. And she's like, oh, well, the one person who's telling the truth will survive because they can sense who is is being truthful and honest and all this other stuff. And I think that that definitely goes to the fact of like, oh, well, those who are snakes within their own skin are the ones that they kind of repel against. And the only ones that they've repelled against so far in this novel are Dr. Gull, Lucy Gray, and Snow. So it's like, in my opinion, I think that all of them are snakes within their own skin and they're continuously, you know, shredding or not shredding, shedding their skin to become new and they're changing their their course and you know lucy gray leaving him the snake at the end in his scarf come on you know it's like whoa shredding shedding oh my gosh i want to keep saying shredding shedding you away from me like i'm continuously moving on with my life and changing my course now yeah Um, yeah i didn't think about like that that. yeah i didn't think about like that yeah Mm-hmm. Cool. So yeah, um, I mean, you could go, you could go really in depth in there if you wanted to. Yeah, you really could. Um, Which see. is crazy. I also liked that I... the whole. Go ahead. No, no, you're good. You're good. Okay. Um, I like. I was saying how she kind of like does checklists and stuff, which. This is not a checklisty one, but I like how she, Suzanne Collins, kind of made a really big deal with game makers. Gall is a game maker. She's crazy. And we learn that Snow is probably going to end up being a game maker and he reveres game makers. And so when Seneca mm-hmm. Crane doesn't doesn't come through, he has him killed. And then Plutarch, mm-hmm. a game maker, is 
part of his demise. Like I, I like how he like loves game makers and how he seems to like want the one who has the most screwed up brain to make these games. And when they don't, then they don't produce, he kills them. And then one of them actually was part of the revolution and um, possibly a Mockingjay, if you will. Plutarch was a Mockingjay. Um, and, and this is what I was saying, Plutarch Heavensby, his son was a mentor with um, Snow back in the 10th Hunger Games. He didn't have a really big part, but he was still there. So mm-hmm. just saying. I do like the whole game yeah. maker aspect of the book. Oh, for sure. I think it's very interesting that he like kind of aligns himself with them. Because he's also just as twisted as they are. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, um, another thing is um, his connection to District 13. Once again, full circle, his family invested in munitions in District 13 and they ended up going under, which caused their um, their financial demise. And once again, District 13 was the cause of his demise ultimately. Uh, so once again, full circle, she kind of, it's a checklist, but it makes sense. Everything is like clicking and it's all kind of making sense, which I like a lot. Oh yeah. No, for sure. I totally agree because it's like, you know, like, like you said, it is a full circle, but yeah, but like I think it needed to be had because like at least, um, you know, she's showing the basic birth and death of her character, you know? Oh yeah. Like, and him he really did. Coming all the way around. Yeah. Yeah. I really, enjoy, I, I don't know. This book is a really good book for a discussion. So. I have one more Whether thing that I think was a good discussion. Yeah, well, um, cause we didn't really talk about the CCC thing, um, which is like the whole point of not the whole point, but it's one of the reasons why who he is, who he is. And, um, so one of Gaul's theories is that chaos happens without control. And his whole paper was without control to enforce the contract, the laws would be broken. And he has, he, he believes this, this is his life. This is, this is all he believes. Mm-hmm. And it came from Gaul. And once yeah. again, you know, you can sit and discuss, do you really think that chaos is without control? Like, look at what's happening right now. Like, right now, it is May 29th, and it is the, the riots in Minneapolis with um, Floyd's death, and there's it's chaos now, and they had to bring in the National Guard. I'm not saying that they need to be controlled, but it, it's, it is chaos, and they, you know, it, it's just so many things happening in our country right now where you could just make comparisons, um, which I personally think makes mm-hmm. for a good critical book. If, if oh, anything, it, at least it's critical. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, no, she's, she, she had a point too with the three different C's. Like, even as I was like continuously going over it, I'm like, oh my gosh. I mean, like with chaos, there comes control and with control, there comes, you know, contract between people, whether you want to call that your constitution or your moral rights or whatever you want to call it there's always like a way that it's tied back to all of that. And it's, it's crazy to me. It really is that 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 was the whole point of them. But you could also argue that control causes chaos because you have the capital who's controlling everything, but then you still have the rebels who are ultimately causes the, the ultimate chaos. So Mm -hmm. yeah, you can go back and forth with that one. You can, because they're all up, you know, intertwined to each other. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Well, that's all I had to discuss. Did you have anything else? Okay. Mm-hmm. This was our longest podcast, which I think we're at like an hour and 40 minutes, which I mean, that's a, it's a good thing. It's like this book, there's a lot in here, even though it is not as good as the original Hunger Games, which I never thought it was going to be. There is still something here. There's still a lot here. And I do, I do think that Suzanne Collins, maybe, like I said, maybe she was rushed, but I think if she had time to like really develop this book, then it could have been better than what it was. I hope book two, she kind of develops a little bit more. I don't know, but mm-hmm. I just I thought it was really weird that to me. Go ahead. Yeah, no, I was I just, just saying. Felt, it was I felt weird. like it. it... <laughs> go, 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 go. <laughs> I'm going. Anyway, I'm just. <laughs> I felt like this book, like it, even though it was rushed, there were still good uh, themes in the book to discuss. It's definitely re- relatable. It is definitely a book that is open for discussion. And I think that that's something that is to be applauded for, at least for her, because I would have to disagree with some of the other uh, booktubers that I have uh, followed their ratings and stuff like this on this book. A lot of them are like kind of poo-pooing on the book, like a two to a one type of rating. I'm like, well, if you actually dive into it, it's way more complex than what you're seeing. So... That's all mm-hmm. I have to say. Yep. That's all I have to say too. But maybe they missed it. Yeah. They did. Some people, like, I, I had to learn to be a critical reader because, you know, when I first started reading YA or just books in general, I read for entertainment. I wasn't really reading for to learn or be enlightened. And so when I I had to do this um this committee where I had to pick the best 10 books of the year a couple years ago. And it really made me read with a critical eye. And so now I can't help but to. So yeah, some people just don't read critically. They just, they, they read for action on the page. They read for a romance and there's nothing wrong with that. Um, But you tend to miss a lot of stuff when you don't sit back and read with a critical eye. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And I think this was definitely one of those books because I, had read you know the the trilogy before and we've seen the movies you know but like you've been more immersed in it than you usually are and just like a story for entertainment and then going back and reading this I was like oh like I feel like I didn't miss things if I if I would have read this book what seven eight years ago I feel like I would have missed the key points in this book and maybe that's what's happening for some other people who aren't reading it critically Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you for this very long, (laughs) very long discussion (laughs) on the ballad of songbirds and snakes. We can talk about songbirds. So I guess mocking jays are songbirds. Anyway. Um, And like I said, we're not quite sure what we're going to be reading next week. So yeah, Ashley, immediately after this, you know what, you know what's up. So, um, but We'll put in our, we are on um, Instagram, uh, the Novel Universe pod. So you can follow us on Instagram and we'll say what book we're going to be reading next. Um, But other than that, thank you for joining us and we will catch you in the next podcast. Bye-bye.